Welcome to the Smeichel Speaks podcast channel. I'm Joanne Smeichel, and I'm delighted that you tuned in for relevant leadership learning that will help you continue to soar. Enjoy this episode. We all face problems, issues, annoyances, dilemmas. That is just a part of life. And if we're honest, we admit that there are times when we we just can't figure out what's the best way to overcome the hurdle. This podcast is going to provide you with the tools to test on your next problem. This is going to sound a little odd, but the foundational step is to recognize the problem. You can't be in denial about an issue and effectively address it. You got to come to terms with the fact that there's an issue and it needs to be addressed. Sometimes we get feedback from others and that lets us know that we've got trouble. Other times it's that nagging voice inside of our heads. Whatever the case, you got to get real with yourself about the existence of a problem. You also need to get real with yourself about whether you are the problem or are you causing the problem? If you're a person who seems to always be embroiled in difficulty, it's really important for you to assess whether that reflection in the mirror is the root cause of your dilemmas. It cannot always be the other person. So now we can move forward. It's important to do the internal exploratory work to reflect on your core values. What does your true north say? When you think about the principles that guide your life, what direction are they indicating as the best path or approach to the problem? Now, this is based on an assumption that you've done the very difficult, very intense work identifying your own core values. And I'm not talking about a cursory surface scan in your head to come up with a few values. I'm talking about deeply reflecting in your heart to determine what's most important to you. What are the guiding principles of your life? Okay, now, assuming that you have clarity on your core values, you'll understand that they're the first lens that you'll use to examine the problem. What instruction do your values provide? How could you follow that instruction? Let's say you have clarity on your core values, but they really aren't leading you to a clear decision. That means that we've got more work to do. Because in reality, life is never as simple, never as clear, never as black and white as just being sure of your core values and then going with them. Nope. We got to do a lot more to solve our problems. So how are you going to define the issue, the problem, the dilemma? You know, the label you put on it can make all the difference in the world. If you can frame the hurdle as an opportunity for learning, for growth, or for self-discovery, you're likely to construct a positive or at least a palatable outcome. I used to have a friend. Now notice I just said I used to have a friend. Well, she made every setback seem like Armageddon. It was just the end of the world. She could make a flat tire in her car seem like it was getting ready to be repossessed or it was going to explode at any moment. And when she got in a car accident, she developed some back issues. 
nothing that impeded mobility permanently. Well, then she got diagnosed with diabetes and then hypertension. So she immediately started planning to be completely disabled. I'm not kidding. She seriously decided that these health challenges were so severe that she couldn't possibly live and work with them. So she managed to create this life of worry, poor health, and and very, very few emotional supports. Because people got tired of all that whining and complaining. We all have health issues. We all have challenges. And we persevere. So by stark contrast, I've got another friend who did develop a very, very serious spine issue. She had to have major surgery twice. The surgery initially went okay, but then she got a very serious infection, which caused her to need even more surgery. And then another infection, and then more surgery. She was in horrible pain, horrible pain for months, and she was in the hospital for weeks. Here's the amazing thing. She never said she was sick. When any of her friends or family would say, oh, I'm so sorry you're sick, she would immediately reply that she was not sick. She'd say, I am not sick. Please do not say I'm sick. I have spinal stenosis and it's being treated. Or when the infections were just raging, she'd say, I'm not sick. I have an infection and it's being treated. I'm sharing these examples because they've shown me the importance of how I label how I frame, and how I define my own circumstances. I've got the power to choose what's going to be in my head. Even in dire, dark circumstances, I get to choose. I forgot to tell you, but you probably figured it out. My friend with the position that she wasn't sick has continued to live a healthy life. Now, I'm not telling you she doesn't have persistent back issues and pain. I am saying that she sees those issues as part of her life and things that she just has to deal with. When she has bouts of pain or needs to have further treatments, she's quick to remind the people who love her that she is not sick. And I love her way of framing her situation. Okay, now we've decided on how we're going to label or define the problem. Here comes what I call the diagnostic. This is when we identify the cause of the problem. I took my car to Goodyear, the service center, because that's where I get my car fixed. These lights kept coming on saying that the tire pressure was low and the tire monitor system needed servicing. I love it when I go there and they come out with this little black box with cords and they plug it under the steering wheel. (laughs) They probably think I don't get out very often because I get so tickled with their diagnostic tools. Well, sure enough, as a result of the diagnostic, the problem had nothing to do with the tire or the tire monitoring system. It was two sensors that had gone bad. Unfortunately, they were really expensive sensors. Well, this is like the dilemmas that we face. We've got to pull them apart and figure out the real root causes. Root causes are important because they direct us to the range of solutions. So let's go back to my car. And I know that car example is pretty elementary. But, you know, if I had just looked at the lights, I would have gone and filled the tires with some more air and been driving along thinking I had addressed the problem. 
Nope, it would not have been addressed at all. The car needed sensors. That thorough root cause analysis is so important. Sometimes you can do it by yourself in isolation, but more often than not, we need to invite our trusted confidants in to help us get to the bottom of it. I like brainstorming my tough, tough situations with my sisters or with my best friend. They can be dispassionate and help me see where the issues originated. So far, we started out by moving out of denial and admitting that there is an issue. We did our work identifying our core values, and we thought through how we're framing the dilemma. We've got choices about how we're going to look at it. And that can be predictive of the outcome. Negative frames are problematic. A positive frame doesn't guarantee perfect, easy solutions, but it really does change the energy that we put into the situation. So after we decide on the frame, we can move to getting to the bottom of it. What's the root cause? All of this initial work stops us from using those knee-jerk reactions It gives us the time we need to think clearly and do some analytical work. So that analysis is what should lead us to the next step in our problem solving. And that's generating a range of possible solutions. I really like this step because it keeps me from creating doomsday scenarios. It makes me open my eyes to a lot of alternatives. It takes me away from the black or white, either or thinking, and allows me to really create a range of options for myself. I'll tell you, it also helps me if I put all of the options on paper. I was doing this yesterday with something that I'm kind of grappling with related to my five and 10 year plan. And being able to just look at it on paper, look at the numbers, make the comparison was very helpful. It It took it out of my head and out of the range of just, I'm thinking about it, I'm thinking about it, into the realm of, okay, look, Joanne, this is what it looks like. So now, when we have solutions to choose from, we can weigh them. Which ones lead us to a solution that meets our needs, where we know that we're going to benefit? Which of the options are really feasible? What I mean is, which ones do you have the resources for? Which of the options are worth trying? What are the costs and the benefits of each? What are the foreseeable consequences? We know there are always unforeseeable consequences, but what's the stuff that we can likely anticipate? I want to go back to my car for a minute. Now, I should confess, I am not a car person. My car is a 13-year-old Chevrolet Monte Carlo, a 2007. It's 2020 right now, and 2007 was the last year that Chevrolet made the Monte Carlo. Just a little bit of car trivia. Now, one of my options was to pay a couple grand and get the sensors fixed. It needed a muffler, too, and probably a catalytic converter. It had really started sounding like a truck or a sports car. So an option was to get all that stuff fixed. In reality, the repairs just did not make good financial sense. But that does not mean that I didn't have choices, because I did. I had the do-nothing choice. Sometimes if the solution isn't forthcoming, we get to just do nothing. 
Now, I've heard people say doing nothing is an action, and it's an action that aims at problem resolution. Well, they say it's a solution, but I don't agree. I think that doing nothing is just doing nothing. Yes, the world keeps moving, but sometimes we just need to wait. Now, assuming that doing nothing isn't what you want to do, you've analyzed your options as objectively as you can. And let's face it, we only have so much objectivity available to us when it's our lives and our problems and our situations that we're dealing with. And we only have so much information to base our options on. So don't analyze the situation to death. Get as much information as you can to inform your choices and then make a choice. That is the decision step. Decide on an option and do something. Prepare yourself. Be sure you have the resources. Develop an action plan and then attack it. You got to attack the problem. Attack it thoughtfully with care, and a clear plan. Now, that doesn't mean you won't have to recalibrate, okay? I'm a realist. I don't believe that just because I put my best foot forward, the situation is necessarily going to turn out the way I want. I realize that nothing happens in isolation. My choices will impact others, and they have needs too. So we can't be selfish, But we also don't have to be martyrs. Once you've got an action plan, implement it. Pay attention to the results. Decide where you need to recalibrate. Evaluate your outcomes and then follow up as required. Here's my summary of this podcast on problem solving. Come to terms with your core values. Diagnose the problem. Figure out a range of options that are available to you. Then I want you to create a plan. You may even think about a plan B and a plan C. Be prepared to put the plan in motion, then do something. You analyzed and you're ready. So implement the plan and see how it goes. Now, I hope that this framework is something that you can modify to suit your own needs. I hope it helps you reach resolution in a way that's in complete alignment with your core values. And yes, I bought a new car. Thanks for listening to this podcast. I hope that you got tools that you'll actually use and share. Subscribe to get more relevant leadership learning. Check out my YouTube channel to stay prepared for leading in an ever-evolving world.